Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. You probably heard on News Talk Breakfast though earlier this morning the People Before Profit TD Gino Kenny has accused the government of dragging its heels when it comes to forming a special committee on assisted dying. And he said that when a committee is formed, it'll be expected it could run for nearly the guts of about nine months, meaning that no recommendations would be made on assisted dying until the end of this year at the earliest. But I'm asking you today to get in touch about whether or not you think we should have legislation in this country to allow for assisted dying or dying with dignity in whatever term you you, you want to use. Look, I've shared my own position on this before. Um, It's not an easy topic to have. I totally understand that. And I can see why there isn't a push to have this conversation because it's extremely sensitive. It's very difficult and it's arguably one of the, I think probably the most difficult societal conversation that this country will ever have. Um, it, 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 it's incredibly tough for people to sit down to think about the potential of maybe helping a loved one or a family or a friend or in whatever way in terms of supporting them um, if they, they wanted, you know, assisted dying, if that was something they, they felt passionately about. But my view on this, and I think it's only when you experience it, when you live through it, when you you see somebody with a terminal illness and the deterioration, I suppose the inevitable happening and how how difficult that is for them and for family and and friends involved. But my own view totally changed on this, having gone through that and and, and witnessed it, I suppose, with my own with my own dad. Um, But I think it is a conversation that this country should have. I think it needs to have it. I totally understand the concerns um, around perhaps people, you know, they're being people feeling like they're a burden or being taken advantage of. I, I understand and I appreciate all of the difficulties that there are. But yes, you would have to have certain criteria in place and, and all that goes with that in very certain circumstances where there is, I suppose, an inevitable outcome where somebody's condition isn't going to change in a short period of time and there is really only deterioration and further deterioration um, potentially left to happen. So... We want to talk about this today. I just want to chat to you. I just want to gauge public opinion on how people feel about it. Um, There's no right or wrong answer. And as I said, like previously, you know, I would have been somebody who would have been totally against this until I lived through it. And I suppose it's the case of you live through something and you experience it and and my my opinion completely changed. Um, That's just my own thoughts on it. Noel is with us on the line, though, in, in County Clare. Noel, your perspective, I believe, has changed in this regard. Um, uh, good afternoon, Andrea. How are you? It has completely. Um, <clears throat> I thought about it a lot actually this morning after uh, I was listening to the um, breakfast show. And I suppose, look, it's a personal thing. It's a personal story. And uh, I'll just give you a brief a brief history. I I have multiple myeloma since 2013, and um, it's 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 a, a, a an illness that has no cure basically, but you can get treated. And um, I would have gone through an awful lot of treatment over the years, like stem cell transplants, three of them, and some other stuff. So I'd have been in the hospital, had some very sick days, but had some great times in between. But in 2020, I had come to the end of the line as regards to treatment. So um, everything had stopped working. 
and I was actually in hospital this time of year at March. And um, my consultant came into me and said, "Look, it's it's, it's palliative care time. You know, I was going to go home and go on palliative care because everything had stopped. Uh, all the drugs I got to the end of the drug nine, and I was down to forty nine kilos or something. So basically, um, I spent the night. You know, obviously very upset." And uh, had gone through, had gone through. Um, sorry, actually, Andrea, I'm actually in today getting treatment, so my apologies. Oh, you're it's okay. Just, no, it just happened to be on that day when the nurses came in there. But anyway, um, um, where was that? Yeah. So basically, I I spent the night obviously very upset, and um, but then I had got to a place of of peace, to be honest with you, and acceptance. And I said, okay, I've done very well. I've got eight years. I should have only got between five and eight, and I got eight. And I had accepted that that was it. It was over. And I was actually at peace with myself. And if I had got the option that night and in and the following week of having assisted end-of-life treatment, I would have gladly taken it because I could handle my illness always mentally. But what upset me most was my family and my friends seeing me sick and having to go through, we'll say, a slow process, I would have preferred to have it actually, you know, have advanced it uh, as best I could. But look, to make a long story short, a week later, a new drug, my consultant found a new drug wasn't approved in Ireland, I got it on compassionate grounds, and it's only, it was only a 30% strike rate on it really. Uh, one in every three it worked for, and thank God it worked for me. So I get every six weeks, and I'm actually here today getting it, yeah. which is a bit unusual. But um, it just changed. Like I have thought about this today. I said, if I, you know, if that was available in 2020, I would have grabbed it with both arms because I wouldn't want my family and friends to see me just in suffering because then that was upsetting them. You know, so it just completely changed uh, when I thought about it today. Like, I, like nobody knows what, what drugs are going to work or what's going to happen. So, I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a hard one. It's, it's, look, there's people that, you know, are, aren't going to be as lucky as I was. And, um, but still at the same time, I, I, you know, it's, it's it's a very difficult, it's very 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 difficult um, conversation to have, and yeah. different, different uh, or difficult to decide what's best. Uh, you know, what is this for for people? It's, it's all individual. No, no. Firstly, look, I'm, I'm, you know, just in listening to your story, I'm, I'm, you know, delighted to hear that you're, you're, you're on a a different path uh, now and 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 still going through treatment. I suppose you're the very example why there is so much concern. You know, you're you're the reason why I think, like you and 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 for many other people, where there will be cases where there, I suppose, people are concerned about the rush to having something like this or conversations around assisted dying, because in your case new treatments were found. They were subsequently offered to you. That's now a path and a road that you're you're going down and, and that and that's yeah. and that's great, you know, to, to hear that. And and that's why so many people are concerned about this. And I get that. Yeah. Totally get it. It's it's a very difficult uh, it, I don't know is there a right and wrong answer to it because like everybody's different and 
you know, there are so many other illnesses out there, but I don't know the answer to it, to yeah. be honest. But I, I'm only, I, I suppose, you know, I suppose if it was there and at that time, if I took it, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Mm. You know. And that's the thing, I suppose it's, you know, with time and the lived experience of you've gone from a place of it being something you you, you might personally have, uh, I don't want to say supported or, you know, but being in favour of in, in your circumstances. And now that opinion has changed. And, and I know from chatting to people about this and professionals that are concerned about it as well, like that's often the reason why that, you know, with in time, medical advances, new drugs, new yeah, trials drugs, come on stream. And yeah, trials, and I get that. You know, and like even since in in the two years that have passed, there are now another two drugs I think that have come online for myeloma. Actually, there were being there were uh, there's a new trial and James has been fairly covered uh, in the last couple of weeks that has started. So that's another new treatment that's out since then that I will probably qualify for when this one ends because this one will myeloma will eventually get her own them all, you know. But so. You know, it's, I think that, you know, if the other option was there, that I would have gone down that line. You know, it's a hard one. Yeah. How are you doing at the moment, Noel, just when you you mentioned you're in actually, you know, I'm getting chemo, well. chemo as we speak? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're I'm, doing okay. Yeah, I, I, every six weeks, I have a full day. Yeah. And then I'm off, gone, back living, living the dream, as I always say. Yeah. Working. And, you know, um, but, uh, I look, I, I, I'd be fairly positive, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, it, it, you don't think about the inevitable. Um, because it will, it will, it, this drug will stop working. But as I say, hopefully, you know, the other one will be there by the time that happens. And yeah. We'll rock on again. Good stuff. Well, it's, uh, you've a, a great positive attitude, Nolan. It's 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 lovely to, to chat to you and I do, do appreciate. Uh, I always say, Andrea, I always say plan B isn't worth thinking about. So I know. <laughs> we yeah. go with plan A. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Mark is with us too in, in Tipperary. Mark, you were listening to Noel there. What's your views on this? I suppose, firstly, um, I just think it's so positive to hear how Noel is doing. And yeah. That decision he made was such a... Um, you know, a, a good decision um, and that he's doing so well now. I suppose our circumstances were different insofar as it was my mother and, um, you know, the family of five children and uh, all adults, thankfully. But um, my mother had never had a hope of recovery towards the end. Um, she had cancer for a total of six years um, before she passed. But for the last six months, she had entered into um, a hospice um, for extreme pain, pain management. It was bowel and secondary cancer at the time so there was definitely there was no medication no hope for recovery for our mum and what should have been a two-week uh, treatment period for her ended up being six months she um, suffered infection after infection after infection and um, on each occasion we would have got phone calls asking us to come to the bedside that there was a number of hours left and unfortunately for every infection that she got her standard of health if you like um, deteriorated on each infection and the course of antibiotics and treatment that she would have got um, while she came back, you know, I would say from uh, being so close to dying, she never recovered to the previous standard of health. So every infection she got, it affected her, she deteriorated more and more and more. And to the point where it was just a shell of herself. And we, we had implored with um, the consultants 
uh, in the hospice. And I don't mean for any moment to um, be disrespectful or ungrateful. We mm. were so grateful to the treatment and the care that she got. It was second to none. They were amazing. But it was just as a family, the trauma it caused to see somebody so close um, deteriorating so much with no um, hope of recovery. And we asked towards the end to stop the treatment, stop bringing her back, if you like. Um, but she, her one dying wish had always been that she wants to get home to her own little house where she wanted to die there. And we made that quite clear. And unfortunately, um, we never got that. And she never got that wish. But I suppose, that, you know, what, is, what I'm probably, the vision I'm coming from is probably slightly different than um, assisted dying. It most certainly will be the choice uh, um, of the individual or of the family who are uh, at the bedside to to call it and say at this point there is no hope of recovery, there is no quality of life, um, the integrity for that individual is gone, the pain that they suffered and endured, and then the subsequent, uh, which is completely secondary, the, the subsequent um, trauma for the family members. Um, myself and my siblings would all struggle even to this day with um, the length of time it took for her to pass. Um, and that's where we're coming from, you know, our perspective today would be. Did you ever have a conversation or did your mum ever have a conversation, Mark, with you or yes. with the family? I suppose it's more in, and I know there's concerns and I totally understand it, like that, you know, people don't, would, it's not the kind of conversation you obviously would never bring it up with your parent. But I know in my case, you know, in, in my dad, it was something that, that he very much brought up and he spoke about. And I just wondered, did, was it something your mum, was it a conversation she ever started? We we would have. Unfortunately, my, my poor dad died of cancer three years before my mum, so we would have had those conversations in advance. And both of them had been ill at the one time um, before my dad died. So uh, during that time, the conversation would have taken place. And, you know, my mum uh, was a very open, um, warm person. And, she you know, having those conversations wasn't difficult for her. And even um, while she was in the hospice, um, as I say, she was very clear that she wanted to get home and she asked us repeatedly to bring her home but unfortunately just due to her health we couldn't at that stage but uh, towards the end um, we knew what her wish was we knew that she, she wanted to come home and spend her last days in her home where she raised her family and lived with her husband um, you know all her life but that unfortunately it, it, uh, we didn't get that that wish or that right and, and it was almost an invasive treatment you know and I think as Noel said himself he, he came to a point at one stage for Noel where there was that realisation that peace um, and but thankfully he had the opportunity to um, have a course of treatment that could help mm. him, and to this day he's doing well. But that was never the option, and was never on the cards for our, our mother. You know, yeah. so um, I think it was a, I won't say an easier decision, but it was one where that realization was clearer okay. for us. Um, it's 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 not an look. It's an like it's not, and I totally understand this. It's not the kind of conversation you you bring up with a parent, or you know, you bring it up with a loved one. Um, I suppose in our case, it was it was more that you know uh, it was brought up with us, and you know, it was was my own dad that actually started the conversation and just just spoke to us about it and how he felt about it and how you know he thought the laws were nearly better for animals in this country than, than they are for people. And like, I'm a huge supporter of, you know, the, the whole concept of palliative care. And I think there's a massive role for it. But I think there are certain cases, um, and particularly at a certain time, I suppose, in somebody's diagnosis, in their in their illness, particularly when it's terminal, that you might be talking about, you know, two or maybe three weeks max where the outcome is is 
very, very determined and unchangeable, completely unchangeable. Uh, but I understand, look, it's it's a it's a very tough topic for people to talk about and I, I fully appreciate that. And I'm actually thinking of people today who maybe have somebody in their family um, dealing with a terminal diagnosis, you know, and I know that this is a hard conversation. Um, it's a hard conversation to, to join in on. So I, I do do appreciate that. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about whether you think legislation should be brought in to allow for assisted dying in this country. The government has been accused of dragging its heels when it comes to forming a special committee on the issue. I know we first talked about it in this programme. I can tell you exactly it's two and a half years ago and it's a conversation that has been going on for much longer than that. I've just been asking you to get in touch to share your own thoughts, your views, your opinions on this today. Connor is with us on the line. Connor, how do you feel about the um the subject of assisted dying and whether it should be here in Ireland? Hi Andrea, thanks for having me on. Um I suppose it's it's not something I would have thought a huge amount about before, um, but a few years ago I lost a relative to lung cancer. Um and during that time it was it was very difficult to, to go in there and watch someone who would have been, I suppose, would have had a lot of energy about them, would have done a lot of stuff with the family beforehand, um, be, I suppose, struggling with what they had, you know. Um, Particularly, he was on oxygen tanks for the the last couple of weeks while he was there, and it was exceptionally difficult to watch his deterioration and... um, Apologies. <laughs> no, take take your time, uh, Connor. Take your time. But um, very very bad fear in his eyes every time they had to change oxygen tanks, even though it was only for a brief couple of seconds, you know. Um, and I suppose we were very lucky in one regard that it did end up going quite quick for him. Um, but for those last few weeks and um. Uh, for those last few weeks, I suppose he was stuck in bed. He couldn't do anything. He was on the oxygen tanks. He was being given treatment for pain that he was experiencing during it as well. Um, and I suppose it just really highlighted to me. I, I kind of thought to myself, God, you know, you know, sh- shouldn't people have that option? Particularly in this specific example, where it's where it's a terminal illness. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm aware. Look, there's drugs coming out all the time. There's new practices coming out, but I suppose there's a degree of it's it's not very fair, and unfortunately, it's it's not very nice. But sometimes these things happen, and um, there aren't those kind of solutions or or drugs available to um to help those to change people, the outcome. You know? Yeah, no, I look, Connor, I I, I, to- I totally get it. Um, out of curiosity, was it a conversation? that you and your relative had at any stage or was that even possible? It wasn't It wasn't possible, um, only insofar as from the diagnosis to hospitalisation, it was actually exceptionally fast. So we we knew, look, I suppose there was, there was just a degree of, we knew it wasn't an option. And when he was able to talk uh, in the earlier stages, we kind of tried to use that time as much as we could to, I suppose, 
have more positive yeah. conversations. Yeah, but of course. at the same time, I have family that work in end-of-life care. Um, so there's a good awareness in my family and we've had conversations in the household and, and I've heard of conversations had in um, nursing homes and, mm. and end-of-life care centres and, and it is something that does crop up. Um, it's something I think is obviously very challenging because I think, you know, naturally the last thing we any of us want to do is do anything other than help the people we love get better. Um, but I, I don't know. I think this is probably one of those times where it's, it would be more ethical to... I think we can only let those people themselves make the decisions um, no matter how difficult mm. they are, you know. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm sort of, you know, in agreement with you um, myself, you know, Connor. just when I think back on it from a personal perspective. But I fully understand the concerns. And like I see a text in from another listener who says, my concern is that people will start to feel like a burden. Older people or perhaps people um, with with additional needs might feel like this is something they should look at because they're causing trouble for people that look after them. And and it's the burden. Like that is absolutely, that is one of the huge, huge concerns about this. Uh, that's a, a text that's come in there. And, and that's one of many texts, actually, I should say, too, from people um, on this point as well. Penny is with us as well on the line. Um, Penny, where do you sit in this? Um, I have to say I really struggle with the idea of it. Um my mum actually died of motor neuron disease about 18 months after she was diagnosed. And it, it's really horrific. So I have a real sense of what, is it, what it's like to watch somebody you love really dearly die in a really horrible way. And obviously since then, so many people, I mean, it was a long time ago already. Um, and since then, so many people we've known have died of cancer and it's just you look down and you see a shell of a person and it's it's really brutal and you'd want to be very hard-hearted not to want people you love not to suffer or to understand why their families would not want them to suffer but I think the problem is that that's not always the scenario that people are found in and um, what would be I suppose the different point to the points that have all been made today is um, in Canada they've recently introduced assisted dying in 2016 and um, whereas it started off very slowly it's now it's absolutely gone up like a rocket like the amount of people who die from assisted dying um, in Canada has increased dramatically and it's now um, over, it's more dangerous. Uh, there's more people basically being um, killed by lethal injection in hospital um, than are um, dying from suicide. And if it continues to rise at the same rate, within about three years, you'll be more likely to die from a nurse in a hospital than you will be to die of a car crash. And I think that's something nobody wants to see. And which well, is one figures, other point on that yeah, is that... The, the, the figures that, with regards to Canada are, like, s- since 2016, um, yeah. more than 30,000 have died with medical assistance. That's that's in the period from 2016 until now. Um, yeah. That's according to the the official data. The vast majority were deemed close to their natural death last year. Is it four point five percent of the um, the deaths in the Netherlands? Two point four in Belgium were were medically assisted. Um, 
So you've con- yeah, you've so concerns why, about this, Penny? Well, I do. I mean, why is it so much greater in Canada? What? What? I mean, they we've lived in Canada actually for okay. three years, and they're world renowned to be the most, you know, calm, generous, kind, you know, very sensible people, not so dramatic. So, in a country with a culture like that, how on earth has it become that they have the highest? rate of of change of people dying from suicide and look people are sorry dying from lethal injection if if you are if you think about it everybody who is well you would hope that everybody who is going to die from lethal injection is near the end of their life but that's you know, that's when you do die mm. is when you hit well, the end of your life. that's why in so Ireland really I, hard. I know certainly, look, obviously there's a committee to take place on it, but I know certainly from previous conversations we've had, like, there would be very limited circumstances in which it would be available. There would be a strict criteria that would have to be met, you know, in accordance with um, consultation with various different people. So it's not something that I suppose, you know, you or I would decide today that would happen tomorrow, that there there, there will be very, I suppose, uh, clear parameters around how or, or when this could take place. And, and that's, I suppose, well, that's absolutely, and it's needed. Like I would be, you know, while I would think it's a conversation we should have in this country, I'm also, you know, very much clearly stating there has to be certain circumstances, I think, only well, in, in which I'm, it's available. And I'm quite sure the Canadians have said exactly the same. And yet, look at what's happened. And of the people who've died with assisted dying in Canada, 8% of them died of cancer. And 20 years ago, it was 1,000 people per 100,000 deaths died of cancer. This year, 20 years on, only 700 people die. So if that continues to be the same, I mean, maybe the answer to that is logistically that many few people, fewer people will die and, you know, the cancer percentage will reduce. Mm. But the real risk of that is you get the yeah. situation which has happened to know okay. and, you know, things okay. are changing really rapidly. There are many I, different things happening. I think uh, interesting texting from a listener who says, my mum had a car crash at 50 years of age. She had a brain, uh, a very bad brain injury, spent 16 years being cared for with no hope of recovery. When she could communicate with us, which was only for limited times, she begged us to let her die. As a family, we really struggled to watch her suffer so much. She, sh- she shared a room with another woman who was in a permanent unconscious state, crying continuously in pain, wearing nappies and no chance of recovery. Her family stopped visiting eventually. This is a shocking way to leave any human being, says this listener. Brian says, I'm completely against this. Most people, when they get to this stage, aren't um, perhaps in in their right mind of thinking. And I'd worry that they wouldn't make sensible decisions. How are they in pl- in a place uh, to even make the appropriate decision, says Brian. Paddy has got in touch. Some people who receive a terminal diagnosis take their own life um, early robbing them and their family of time together that they could have if there was a proper system of humane dying or dying with dignity in place, says Paddy. Uh, Tom Curran has texted in to say, just a reminder that it's the 10th anniversary of the High Court ruling in uh, the Mary Fleming case when the court passed it back to the legislators um, to look and do something about assisted dying. I didn't think it was 10 years since Mary Fleming's death. I know we've talked to Tom here on the programme on various occasions about this actual topic as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.